Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Just when you thought it was safe to go back on the internet, it's another episode of Junk Food Cinema brought to you by filmschoolrejects.com. Dot com. Dot com. Dot the shark still works. I am your host, Brian Salisbury, and joining me as per usual, he is my friend and co-host. He is a novelist. He is a screenwriter, lieutenant of Megaforce, a purveyor of bigger boats, Mr. C. Robert Cargill. I'm going to need a bigger podcast. Yes. <laughs> well, we're working on that. That's that's kind of the goal at this point is to, in fact, have a bigger podcast. And if you would like to hear uh, how far this podcast has grown from a, uh, a tiny tugboat to the, the massive whaling ship that it isn't today... Oh, we, we did a lot of tugging in we the early days. We did a lot of tugging. You can go to iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. I feel like with a setup like that, how could you resist? How can, how can I let that just lie there? How could you possibly not listen to our back catalog knowing that more jokes like that lie and wait for you like shark-infested waters? You can also follow us on Twitter at Junk Food Cinema and like the podcast on Facebook, facebook.com slash, you guessed it, Junk Food Cinema. And if you really like the show... I mean, you really like the show. If you like like the show more than sharks hold a grudge apparently you can go to blog blog talk you can go to patreon.com slash you guessed it junk food cinema and for as little as a dollar an episode you get access to bonus content that nobody else gets to hear and you are financially supporting the show and we have a great deal of appreciation for you for doing that so thank you kindly this week we uh we put to bed Summer of 88. It was we, good while it lasted. It, it was. It was. I mean, it was one of those things where we talked about 88 and we talked about 78 and we kind of liked them both. And there were titles from each that we really liked. So we're like, let's just do it. Let's, yeah. you know, let's do a half and half. And we and the, the other half, the back half of the summer is going to be devoted to the summer of 78, which is really fucking phenomenal. Like yeah. if you look up what movies came out in summer of 78, you'll you'll understand why we went this route because there's there's some huge fucking hits from this summer there's some big stuff there's some obscure stuff like a movie we were just talking about that may well slide into our summer of 78 and apologies to everyone if it does (laughs) i apologize to no one for introducing them to that if it so happens (laughs) but you need to see it first 
Uh, so take a drink for a movie we're not going to name Junkies because uh, take a drink from a bottle with no label. Yeah, that's right. Just take a mystery drink. <laughs> Just like for the record, whatever is liquid and close by, and pray that you're not uh, under the sink. I like have known Cargill for a little over ten years now, and I know full well never to take a mystery drink from this man. Ever. Oh, oh, yeah. Thank you, uh, Brian, for loco hands. Uh, thank you, you, Cargill. What did you bring, like, Belarusian rum one time to a party I had? Well, first of all, none of those words are accurate. You said bring the very worst stuff, and the person who brings the worst thing ever yes. will get a prize. And I brought imitation Zwack, which is the... Um, Zwack is the... Uh, the director of this week's film, I believe. This week's film, yeah. You're not Zwack. No, Zwack was... <laughs> Actually, is is the uh, the national drink of I want to say Czechoslovakia? No, Hungary it is the national drink of Hungary, and Zwack itself is good. It's not bad stuff. It's just herb. Uh, it's just an herb liqueur. But imitation Zwack looks and tastes like Dayquil, <laughs> and I found it on accident once. Uh, while looking for another such contest of worst drinks ever, and uh, um, and I brought that to your party and holy shit did that not go far and you yeah. moved with that shit yeah no i think i moved to get away from that shit is, is more accurate but you know what that's a great segue into this week's film uh we've we've talked about imitation zwack now let's talk about the real deal janat zwack directing a movie that i always reference when people talk about that there are no good horror sequels because to me this is a a really excellent horror sequel and we we're of course talking about Jaws 2. Jaws 2. The terror continues. In all the vast and unknown depths of the ocean, how could there have been only one? Chief Brody, can we go, please? I think we may have another shark problem. Roy Scheider. I all turned my back! The whole beach looks incredible! Lorraine Gary. Oh, and Murray Hamilton. Look at this. That's a shark. Look, Brody, you started a panic on a public beach. Now, what if somebody decides to sue us? That's a shark. Did you ever stop to think about that? And I know what a shark looks like because I've seen one up close. And you better do something about this one because I don't intend to go through that hell again. Don't press it this time. Mike is out there. None of man's fantasies of evil can compare with the reality of Jaws. Yeah, and and this we're gonna do something a little, I mean, a lot different from normal. Uh, we're gonna veer widely differently because we do not agree on this week's movie. <laughs> However, we do agree that it is a film that should be talked about. Uh, it is a film that should be discussed. It there are things to like about this film. There are things to admire about this film. Um, 
I went into this really excited to revisit this movie because I had not watched it since I was a kid. Literally, the only thing I could remember was the end of the movie. I remember how the shark died in this movie. I remembered nothing else. But in the same week, you and Joe Hill both said had brought up Jaws 2 randomly in conversations within days of one another and both said the exact same fucking thing to me, which is, you know, if you look at it, like the shark is actually a slasher killer and this is a slasher film. It's actually a really good movie. It is. And it's structured as such in very interesting ways because it's not just a sort of broad stroke comparison. There are finite details about the mechanics of slasher films that are alive and well in this sequel to one of the greatest films of all time that happens to be a man versus nature monster movie originally. Which also, interestingly enough, and this is one of the reasons I really do want to talk about it, is you are 100% correct. All those things are there, but it predates all of those movies. It pre like it comes after Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which does not fall into the structure properly. It's structured mm-hmm. completely differently. This, however, is a year before we would see Halloween, two years before we would see Friday the 13th, and we would get the trigger year, 1981, that we've spoken about many times, where we got 32 of these movies in theaters um, uh, in one single year. The formula, one could argue that the formula came from this movie and what was happening in the mid to late seventies in horror. Um, and so it is a predecessor of the slasher film, not a result of it. And I find that really fascinating. It's an apex predecessor, really, because we're talking about Ooh. a shark. I am proud of that one. I'm <laughs> yeah, going to file that one away in awesome under a for awesome. No, and that's really the thing that I love about this movie is they found a way to because it's a tall fucking order to make a sequel to Jaws. I mean, the movie that was so big, it created the term blockbuster. That term literally refers to people waiting in line to see Jaws. Yes. That is crazy. Yeah. And what happened was Universal then made what was at the time the most expensive film they'd ever made, $30 million to make this movie at the time. And the result is what I feel is one of the laziest films of that era of that budget size that I've ever this is a film so lazy that even John Williams phones it in like it sounds not like John Williams but like someone is aping John Williams it's important this is true however it's important to note that John Williams apparently the production either fell too far behind or was off schedule to the point that he had to start scoring the movie while they were still shooting it so he's literally creating the music for scenes he can't watch yet. So I think that's part of it uh, is it's less phoning in and more uh, having to work ahead of schedule. It's, it's a very, the the whole thing is weird. I mean, originally uh, the movie was offered to Otto Preminger. I mean, it was offered to Spielberg first who uh, couldn't do it because one, he didn't want to. And secondly, uh, he was still working on close encounters of the third kind, which had started running behind. So they offered this to uh, Otto which, Preminger and John Frankenheimer, both who said no. By the way, quick si- trip to the sidebar. Sidebar, sidebar, sidebar. 
I know it's early for the sidebar, but we're drinking. It's early. never too I, early for the sidebar. Uh, there is a really cool movie. You can find it online now um, that has its own troubled history of production called 52577, which is a, a teen, uh, a, a kind of a teen film about this kid who learns about Star Wars before it comes out and tries to get his small town very excited about Star Wars. And it's a, it's based on a true story. And, um, the, the kid goes and ends up writing a letter and going out to talk to one of his heroes, uh, who's a special effects wizard. Uh, and he goes, Hey, let's take you around this set of some stuff I'm working on. And there is a whole section where you spend on the set of Close Encounters of the Third Kind with a young Steven Spielberg talking to this kid. Um, and it's a very interesting uh, moment. So this is where we are talking about is also right here in this point in history, which I just found kind of amusing. It is, and so when you think about the fact that the movie gets bounced around, Spielberg doesn't want to do it. Frankenheimer, who had just made his... Or maybe was a year. No, no, no. When, no, when is prophecy? Has, it, prophecy is seventy nine. He which not means, yet made his mutant bear movie with Armand Desante as a Native American. Theory, theory. <laughs> he felt so foolish for turning down Jaws two. He decides to make his own monster movie, and it's prophecy with once again just just Ar- for the back just, for the back of the house Armand Desante as a Native American running around with a bow and arrow like that's going to sell it still not still not the worst Native American representation in a bear movie that we've talked about on this <laughs> podcast oddly enough I don't know what you're talking about I'm clearly a Native American indie oh. I mean uh, Clooney Oh, my God. Oh, boy. Yeah. I could do three more episodes on Grizzly 2 alone. I'm just going to throw <laughs> that out there. I, Push comes to shove. I'm doing three more episodes on Grizzly 2. There it is. <laughs> I don't know who, who's pushing what to make what come to shove, but All it's right. going to happen. Uh, uh, this, You know, Sophie's Choice, you have to live in a universe with Grizzly, without Grizzly 2 or without Jaws 2. I already live in a universe technically without Grizzly 2. I mean, guys, Except we have seen Grizzly. We, we found it. We dug it up like the fucking Ark of the Covenant indie, but it doesn't actually exist in a finished form. So I'm still going to say I would argue that neither does Jaws 2. <laughs> However, we're going to we're going to keep on this train. Do sharks have nuts? Because you keep kicking it in the nut. I'm not even sure how that works. This but one might. This one is even more rubberier <laughs> than Bruce was. Like this is. But I, but yet I love this shark. Yeah, I, I love this Jaws. It's the Jim Carrey of sharks. It's rubber face. It is. Well, yeah. First of all, every time you get a close up of the shark, it I I howled out loud. Like it is, it does. It is a special effect. This does not hold up. Yeah, like does not hold up. However, um, this shark gets fucked up over the course of this movie and stays fucked up. And I kind of love the fact that there's this burnt face scarred shark that is essentially like every terrible slasher character from the 80s. Oh, there's a very specific movie, a specific slasher movie that this doesn't know that it is because that movie doesn't exist yet. And we will get to that. And and I want to say this. Everything you're saying about the effects and about this feeling unfinished and the problems with this movie, you're not wrong. If I may offer this counterpoint, fuck you. This movie's awesome. <laughs> I still love this movie, and I'll, I'll, and I accept that. I'm not. I am not going to insult anyone who loves this movie. Um, 
I'm wearing shark socks right now. My wife get, got back from a, a girl's trip to Galveston and was like, hey, I didn't know what to get you, so I got you these. She had no idea this is the movie we were going to cover tonight and hands me a pair of shark socks. And I'm like, yes, this is the universe telling me that we were destined to do an episode on Jaws 2, which, by the way, made a lot of money for Universal. We talked about the oh, fact yeah. that it cost them $30 million, but it was, when it came out, the most successful sequel of all time, and it held that title for a year, and then Rocky II came out the next year. <laughs> so, I, yeah. I will say, of all the things that I'm going to kick this movie in the nuts over, um, it has one of the greatest tagline poster taglines of all time. One that has been used and parodied and repackaged and over and over and over. Which would be surprising for a movie that was not considered good when it came out, that does have a reputation for being a terrible knockoff sequel. Man, does that fucking uh, uh, tagline play just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water. I have had talks with several people. The tagline of this movie is so good that people actually think it's from Jaws. Which makes no sense, but no. I've heard multiple people say, "Oh, you know, just just, just from Jaws." Yeah, because what's, like, the what? ta- what's the tagline to the to to Jaws? Da da. No, yeah, there is. <laughs> if there are posters out there with good taglines, uh, it's not one that everyone remember. Everyone remembers the tagline for the fucking sequel because it was a stroke of brilliance. Yeah, I mean, it really is. Um, we talk. We've talked kind of in passing about a movie called Blood Beach where John Saxon is playing the same sheriff character that he played in all of the other movies where he plays sheriffs in horror. Uh, But the movie is about a beach where there's a monster living under the sand. And the tagline for that movie was, just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water, you can't get to it. And I was like, I feel like that's probably the laziest rehashing, but I also kind of love that poster, so... What are you, you know going to do? At some point, you and I just need to sit down with a case of beer and just watch all of the John Saxon um, sheriff movies and create a headcanon of how they're all actually connected together and it's the same guy. It's called the Saxon Pack. That's what that, that evening is going to be called because, nice. holy, yeah, that guy, like, you could totally do a headcanon where he's just getting, but by the way, we're still at the sidebar. We'll get back to Jaws 2 in a second. You could do an entire story about how he's just one really bad cop who keeps getting bounced from town to town for various reasons. The only the only shortcoming I feel Killer Clowns from Outer Space has is that the sheriff, John Vernon's amazing, but the sheriff's not played by John Saxon. That that feels off. Something something about my universe feels off its axis when I'm watching a horror movie and there's a sheriff character not played by John Saxon. Stargrove. Stargrove. Jaws 2 The Terror continues um we've we mentioned how much we kind of disagree on the movie however can we can we at least have an accord over the fact that this is janet zwark's second best movie i don't know Um, i already know what you think his best movie is and you're probably forgetting it's his somewhere in time no, no, no. I, okay. I, I know that that's okay. hands down his best movie. No, I was So going- what do you think is better? Okay, this is an interesting question then. What of his filmography do you think is better than, than Jaws 2, but not quite as good? Because that leaves you with Santa Claus the movie right. and Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. Uh, you forgot Supergirl. <laughs> no, I didn't. I think I'm fine. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm fine with the movies I put forward to be in the running. Um, um, yeah. It's... That's a really good question. <laughs> By the way, his name 
sounds like a noise that Lawrence Welk makes, like, holy shit, the fucking Jeanne Zwark. And I'm like, I, I, I guess that's... I, it took me several days to figure out how to actually pronounce his name. Oh, that's right, because I was, I, was, I was trying to think of what it is. No, I, the, the movie that's better than Jaws 2 that he directed that you just haven't seen and don't really know exists is Enigma. Enigma is a really cool World War II spy thriller. Uh, oh, not the monster movie that's like A.E. Enigma? No, okay. no, no. This is Enigma from 82, and it's actually a really cool spy movie. Because um, he did Somewhere in Time in that, and it's like, oh, shit, he's really good. And then he did Supergirl, and then Santa Claus the movie. And uh, um, no, he didn't do Quest for Peace, he unless didn't? he had his name taken off of it. No, you're thinking of Supergirl. Oh, Supergirl yes, I am. He did. Yes, I am. Uh, and I'm sorry I gave him credit for Superman four. Su- what you know? What Superman? <laughs> you know what? Supergirl is far better than Superman four, which is saying a lot. It's, it's a sad state of affairs it's that a I can't real, disagree like, with the, that. It was real after Superman two. There's a steep drop off in anything with the word <laughs> super attached to it. Like it is. It was a rough time to be a nerd in the mid eighties. I'm telling you. <laughs> But no, Somewhere in Time is a work of genius. I love Somewhere in Time. We've talked about it before. Richard Matheson's story, wrote the screenplay, um, uh, directed by by Swark, and and is great. Uh, you know what? Enigma, take a drink, Juggies, because there's a very good chance we'll cover that in the future, just because, hey, um, if, if a director makes a couple good movies <laughs> along with a bunch of dog shit, you know, maybe maybe that's kind of our, our bro. Maybe yeah. that's... Uh, Maybe that's exactly who we should be talking about. From the podcast that's going to cover all of Craig R. Baxley's oeuvre comes Janat Zwarkathon. Hey, you know what? <laughs> Point of fucking order, Point sir. of order. We we missed something that we were supposed to do. We oh, pulled a boner. And we this did. this is a perfect segue to address this boner. We It's a boner that I don't feel bad about because it's such... Because you're incapable of ever feeling bad about anything. That oh, no, do. that's not true. I, I, I experience shame, but in this case... <laughs> In this case, I'm going to I'm not going to feel so bad because we made a mistake on last week's episode. We did. So let's let's take a page out of the 80s all over playbook and admit that we pulled a boner. Yeah. And it's the uh, uh, last week we talked about Shakedown. We did. Which is directed by uh, James Glickenhouse. Yeah. Jace, James Glickenhouse. And we talked about his batshit crazy 1975 movie, The Astrologer. And we started talking about. The other batshit crazy 1975 movie called The Astrologer, directed by someone entirely different. Yes, yes. And I actually had a couple of people on Twitter correct us on that. And and again, what's hilarious about that is that entire episode of Shakedown got derailed by the fact that there was a lot of hair splitting going on. But where we should have been splitting hairs, we didn't. Because we talked about one movie called The Astrologer, but not The How Agatha Astrologer. How many 1975 batshit crazy movies called The Astrologer are there? At least two. <laughs> At least two. So, And we do- can't tell them apart. We're astrologists. We can't tell them apart. But yes. Uh, so two completely different, terrible movies that uh, uh, that are called The Astrologer. So are, have we, we set that straight. The universe can keep on spinning. Okay, great. So back to Swark and... <laughs> And uh, Jaws 2. Um, <laughs> now, now I'm also just thinking, like, our guest this week is a James Glickenhaus. He's going to play the Glockenspiel theme to the soldier. Holy shit. Uh, yeah, let's talk about... He's going to play it on the flugelhorn. On the flugelhorn. Glickenhaus's flugelhorn. By the way, 
I am 34 years old, and I spent no less than 10 minutes YouTubing Lawrence Welk to figure out his nationality. Knowing who Lawrence Welk was as a 34-year-old man, I should that's something I shouldn't know. Did, did you not know about Wikipedia? No, but what I'm saying is... I am too young to give a shit who Lawrence Welk is, but instead of I'm too not young caring, to give a shit who Lawrence Welk is, and you could not escape him in the 80s because PBS wouldn't stop playing him. Yeah, all the clips online, by the way, are from Oklahoma City's PBS. I don't know why Oklahoma City is enamored of Lawrence Welk, but it's the thing every, that exists. Every PBS was enamored with Lawrence Welk because it was, it was free television in the 80s that old people could watch. Um, Let me take a running start at this. So, Star Okay, back to Jaws 2 for serious this time. Sorry about that. It is a slasher movie. It is not just the fact that they have a shot at the beginning of the movie where the fin goes up and down across a like wide canvas of the town of Amity Island as if to say, I'm back. And it's not just the fact that the opening kill is literally two chucklehead thrill-seekers taking pictures next to the wreckage of the orca, which is akin to what happens to any idiot that goes to Jason Voorhees' grave. It's like, dude, look, we're at Jason's oh, yeah. grave. And the and this is where the movie, the movie goes off the rails from the first scene <laughs> because... You're assuming it ever had rails, and I think you're, doing, yeah, you're being they're, they're, very they're, generous. It, it never gets on the rails because... What happens to these two guys? Is the shark eating? Is it hungry? No, it's murdering two people for the sake of murdering two people. Yeah. There is one guy gets bit and torn up and then it just immediately goes to the other guy. Like, it's not, this isn't like a, oh my God, he, you know, a shark attacked and, and ate one of us. It's like, no, the shark is pissed inexplicably. Um, because we're going to assume he wants revenge. There's even going to be a line oh, later oh, on oh, in the script oh, where it's like, <laughs> oh, oh, I want to talk about that line right now. Let's talk about that line right now. The basic premise of this movie is I think it's roughly five years after the events of the first one, because just by the age difference of Brody's kids, I'm going to assume it's about five years later. And it turns out there's another shark incident, and no one in Amity, especially Mayor Memento, remembers what happened five years ago because he starts spouting off the same excuses, including it was probably a boating accident coming out of his stupid fucking mouth a second time. Anyway, so the shark is attacking. Brody is sure it's a shark, but nobody believes him. There is a moment where they call in not Richard Dreyfus because he is too expensive now for this movie. And so they they call in a different oceanographer to come in. Well, he's also at the time he's working on Close Encounters of the Encounters because. But I, I'm going to go because way he, out on a limb with the movie that means something. It means something. You know what? What what can I make out of mashed potatoes in Jaws two? I mean, that's fucking weird. In fact, you, it, this is a perfect time to mention. Roy Scheider didn't want to fuck. Oh, Roy Scheider. He did not want to make this movie. It shows. There is a reason that Brody spends most of this movie drunk, and I don't think it's in the script. I don't think so either. (laughs) Like, there are moments where, like, literally his wife walks out to his truck and has to step through a river of Miller Lite cans. And I don't think any of that was in the script. Uh, yeah, he he very much did not want to be in this movie. But Universal had him by the balls because he just walked off Deer Hunter. And they were like, we'll forgive you for... I think it was... I, from the story that I read, it was a little different. It was he wanted off Deer Hunter, and they 
they had him under contract and they said, if you do this, then you can be off of Deer Hunter. And he wanted off Deer Hunter so bad that he was like, fuck it, fine, I'll do Jaws too." Yeah, I mean, potato, potato. The point yeah. is, he wanted off of Deer Hunter and they were like, we're not going to let you unless you do Jaws too." And he fought with, well, first of all, we didn't even mention Zwark wasn't the first guy hired. They went about, I want to say, a month into shooting with a different uh, director who ended up getting fired, uh, mostly because he clashed with um, Sid Sheinberg, uh, the the studio head, and also uh, one of the producers, Richard Zanuck. And his wife was actually the the uh, the screenwriter of the first draft of this script. And so anyway, so getting back to this line, this line from this oceanographer who is not Hooper, because at one point they quote, call Hooper on the Aurora, but they can't read. Like, that's always my favorite thing in movies and TV shows where it's like, remember that person who's not here? We're going to like shoehorn in this reference to, oh, they're still kind of in the orbit of this movie, right? That counts. No. This oceanographer says to Brody, sharks don't take things personally, Mr. Brody. And I stood up off of my couch because I'd forgotten this line. And I asked her to write that in a memo and send it to the rest of this franchise. Because, <laughs> no. Because uh, they did not get the memo that sharks do not hold a grudge. No, they really didn't. In fact, they made a whole fucking movie about grudges with sharks. Michael Myers doesn't hold a grudge the way the sharks in Amity hold gr- My- And Michael Myers went after the family of the people who sold his parents' house in part six. Just want to point that out. But the sharks in the Jaws franchise have a longer memory of being wronged than the fucking Targaryens. It's ridiculous. At one point, they follow the family down to the Bahamas. Guys, guys. Oddly enough, uh, in the... uh in the novelization of Jaws the Revenge, there is actually a detailed explanation as to how that happens. Uh, the, the, oh, isn't it a wounded, it's, it's like a wounded whale or it's something? It's a wounded whale that gets harpooned and escapes and is leaking blood and the shark follows it, waiting for it to die for a thousand miles. And it just so happens that that whale wants to go back to the place where it was spawned, uh, exactly where uh, Brody's wife is vacationing. Um, Wait, after the which, death okay. of her son. First of all, just first of all. That the shark ate. First of <laughs> fucking all. That would be stupid if it were the same shark. It's not because they kill the shark every time. So what this franchise asks you to further believe is not just that a shark holds a grudge, but that apparently there is a shark community that holds a grudge and word gets around what the ever-living fuck? Well, I mean, I think these sharks are union. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on break. There is one point in this movie where I think the shark does go on a break. It has a clear shot at oh. eating one of these kids oh. and for no reason whatsoever decides not to. That must have been what it was. Ah, uh, that's my 15. I'm there's union. Also, there's also like 50 minutes in this movie where nothing fucking happens. See, I like those moments because those are the moments. <laughs> those 50-minute No, moments. hold on, because... This it's all coming full circle for me because I I remember thinking as I'm watching this movie, you know the best character moments in both this and the first movie are when Brody's drunk. Like drunk Brody is like some of the best character work in either of these movies. And then I start to realize there's more of that in this movie because I think Roy Scheider's just drunk the entire time. There's also the fact that Roy Scheider's carrying this whole fucking movie by himself, unlike the previous film, which first of all, let's just say, you know, Jaws is 
a masterpiece. Oh, of, of course cinema. it is. Like it's people do not like to group it in with pissed off nature movies because it is so much better than every pissed off nature movie ever made. Like there's nothing that there's nothing in that same category that comes close. No, to Jaws. but it is man versus nature in the same way that Moby Dick is man versus yeah. nature. No, it really is. But that's the, the thing about the movie Jaws is it's not the stuff with the shark that makes that movie amazing. It's all of this great character work between these three guys who fucking hate each other. Yeah. And are it's essentially like it's a man versus nature movie, but it's a man on a mission movie. Yeah. In a lot of ways. And it really works. And so it worked so well that they wanted to make a sequel to this movie and everything that made the first movie work gets removed. And all we're left (laughs) with was the stuff that, you know, everything else. And so you've got Roy Scheider carrying this movie on his own and doing admirably. Like there's some really great PTSD stuff, which I, I find really great thematically. Um, Because one of the things that a lot of people have, uh, a lot of critics have talked about in the first film, um, uh, uh, in in deep criticism, is that there's a lot about the movie Jaws that is actually about the Vietnam War. Uh, Like right down to that opening shot of going through the water and following through and how that's supposed to feel like, you know... um, you know, going through the jungles of Vietnam and how this is very much about guys dealing with, you know, uh, war and dealing with, with these very awful, uh, various things. And then Jaws two dealing with Brody again, the, the stroke of brilliance in this movie is him dealing with having this happen again and how he jumps to this conclusion. And what this movie doesn't do that most movies that play with this theme do do is have him be wrong for a while until he's right. Like we know from the get go, he's right. We always know he's right because the shark literally like Jason Voorhees is like, except oddly enough in the first few kills, we don't get the jaws theme. Like we no, don't no, get no, the no, Jaws no, theme. No, 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 yeah. that wasn't that wasn't the Jaws theme. No, no, no. Okay. That was the like literally from a, a slasher movie where it's like, or a slasher sequel specifically where it's like, da da, like they're back. Like, oh shit! No, I was you just reminded me that <laughs> I, that was another thing that threw me off. It's like, wow, there's really like at first I didn't even like I didn't even think John Williams had done the score. I thought it was a knockoff score, mm-hmm. and and then it's like, oh wait, no, no, John Williams did this. Well, John Williams is a very rare, I don't know, I, I'm sure you know this, but if, you, if y'all listening have ever heard this, I find this fascinating. He's one of those guys that re- hates it when people try to make sound-alikes of his scores to the point that he will let you use his music before he will be on board with you making something that sounds like his music. Yeah. Which is why so many you know TV shows that do like Star Wars parodies get the actual music is because... John Williams hates it when people just make because the only person who's allowed to make music that sounds like John Williams is John Williams. Apparently, he's got that market cornered. And if you don't believe me, start humming the Superman theme and then try to switch on a dime to Indiana Jones and then try to switch on a dime to Star Wars. It's like trying to pat your stomach and rub your head at the same time. Yeah. It's it's just one of those psychologically impossible things to do. Um, I uh, sp- my favorite John Williams story is the one where uh, John, uh, where Spielberg showed him uh, uh, Schindler's List and asked him to score it, and uh, uh, and at the end Williams is just like I can't do this, you know, um, you need someone much better than me uh, to do this, and Spielberg said, I know John, but they're all dead. 
Oof. And uh, and it's Oof. It, it is absolutely true. <laughs> like it is like yes, there are people better than John Williams, and they're all masters of like he's he is he is the best. Which is what's so weird about it's one of the many myriad of things that just confound me about this movie. It's like even John Williams is at his is has he done a worse job on a film than Jaws two? I will say they still use that. That fucking cello is the greatest cheat in cinema. Yeah. Because it creates tension out of nothing. Like there's literally a shot in this movie where Brody is in ankle deep water. And I know sheath your fucking tweets, zoologist. Yes, I know shark attacks happen in waist deep water. Blah, blah, blah. This is shallower than waist deep water. This is if the shark tried to attack him in this water, it would beach itself immediately. And yet, and we're on edge. Because that fucking cello is the greatest cheat. Like, he could be at a Panera. Then, he could then, be at a Panera Bread ordering macaroni and cheese and black bean soup. And if we hear, duh, duh we're like, oh, shit, the shark's working here. The shark's got a, a part-time job at Panera. Run, Brody, run. That's the weirdest thing about the movie Jaws is that the movie Jaws didn't just make people scared of going into the water. You scared walking around your house after watching Jaws. My- like, if you're in the dark, like... Air sharks. For some reason, everybody is terrified of air sharks after watching Jaws. My grandmother didn't want to take a bath. Like, she was scared to take a bath because of Jaws. Like, explain to me the mechanics of that. Yeah. No, Jaws was was so effective. Uh, So let's get back to Jaws 2. The terror continues. No, no, well, this uh, is all important. You're playing, you, the cello comes up, and then he gets attacked by a rubber, uh, a, a rubber corpse. He gets attacked by the corpse of a... Vi- like, that... Like, you want to talk about something that happens later on in the Friday the 13th sequels is the whole, like, ah, oh, yeah. oh, bodies falling out of everywhere. There's even a Shelly character. Did you notice that? From Friday the 13th part... Uh, I believe it's four. The guy... Or no, it's three, because he's the one who actually has the mask. Like, the the fat kind of jokey character. Oh, yeah. One of the teenagers is a Shelly. Like, it's weird how much I feel like other movies, other slasher movies, ended up definitely kind of borrowing from the mechanics of this. Uh, but what this is, what what really kind of blows me away is Jaws 2 isn't just a slasher movie. Jaws 2 is the burning in the ocean. Jaws 2 yeah, has, a, has, a, fair. has a scene where a shark tries to attack a couple teenagers who are water skiing, eats one of them, goes for the one in the boat. She, for some reason pours gasoline on her I don't know what she was trying to do she's trying to pour gasoline over onto the shark maybe and the boat rocks and she's like oh I got gas all and over she ends me. up looking like she's trying to protest the Vietnam War again Vietnam right. because it is total self emulation when she like fires off a uh uh, a flare gun that does burn the shark. So the shark gets burned by a couple of teenagers and spends the rest of the movie not giving a shit about eating anyone else except teenagers. So he's fucking cropsy with more teeth, first and foremost. Two, two uh, points of order. One, have we talked about the burning yet? We're going to talk about the burning. Okay, I wasn't sure if we'd covered the burning or not, because the burning something we probably should have covered a long time ago. Um Although add it to the list of movies we should have covered yes. a long time ago. Um, secondly, um, this is one of the other problems I have with this movie is the shark goes and inexplicably attacks a boat because the, that's what you do. It's not like in the first movie where the you know they're chumming the water and it's clear that this hungry shark is like, oh, clearly this is where the food is. Um, it attacks a boat. 
gets burned by said boat, and then says, you know what I'm going to spend the rest of the movie doing? Attacking boats. Yeah. Because that is apparently working for me. Because the brain of the mayor was somehow transported into the shark because much like the mayor of Amity Island, this fucking shark doesn't learn. Doesn't learn anything. Uh, but also, comparing it to the burning, that third act where all these teenagers are just waiting on these rafts for their turn to meet their maker at the hands of... Is very much like Cropsy turning up and killing all those kids on the raft at the end of the burning. Yeah. It's crazy how similar these movies are one of the one of the weird things about that though is the movie spends so much time developing mike yeah and you would think mike would be out there with the kids so we could care about the kids and instead we whack him over the head as early as possible and remove him from the movie so that all we're left with are all of his friends that have single personality traits and the younger brother which of course. i actually thought was kind of a smart move because Apart from kind of looking like Josh Leonard, wasn't a lot going on with that older brother actor. Like, it just, I wasn't, you know, I just, I wasn't You're getting behind Josh him. Josh Leonard, he looks like Andrew Garfield's dad. <laughs> like, he, I he looks like Thaddeus Garfield. I'm assuming his name is Thaddeus because his last name is Garfield. He sounds like an 1860s, like, uh, like captain of industry or something. But, the, but then you have the little brother involved and they're like, Say what you want about the rest of this movie. The other thing that I think this has that good slasher movies like My Bloody Valentine have is the group of kids feel very real, very natural. Like you would, you believe that they hang out together. You believe that they lived on this island. It reminded me of like literally the the baby version of the minors from My Bloody Valentine, where it's like I like these people. They're fun. There's a couple of of actually like good quips and like there's there's two characters who are like. Uh, they're kind of like a comedy team, but they, they're both playing Jewish mothers and they say things like, oh, that's funny. Like it's, but it works. And I just, I'm like, I like these people. I like these teenagers. Well, that's the, that's one of the frustrating things about this movie is every moment with those kids is actually genuine and great. And if they were the characters we were going to be spending our time with, why weren't we getting to know them and and developing their motivations rather than spending time with Mike, who's going to get hit over the head and sent back to shore for the rest of the movie? Like, yes, because you're right. Every single one of these kids is doing a great job. Every moment they're given, they fucking go for it. They go for it with gusto. They've, They've set up some interesting dynamics in there but they never explore them like this whole notion of like if you dig into it if you break it down you can see how the screenwriter is thinking and where they're going with this like i love that one of the girls clearly is very excited one day to be a mother and loves taking care of mike's little brother and and Mm -hmm. hanging out and mothering him and like it's not weird it's very much like oh this is a girl who you know loves kids and of course you can come sailing with us. Um, and then you've got the whole dynamic of this is a very small town. And, uh, you know, so the pool, the dating pool is super small. And all of a sudden, a blonde girl, everyone's age shows up. And so, of course, every guy in town is sniffing around going, hey, let's see if we get a shot at this. But, of course, the frustrating part is, her cousin has already set her up with one of the guys. Yeah. And so this is, you know, this this creates a tension and a competition, none of which ever really gets explored. It's used as kind of side jokes as opposed to actually going into the dynamics of these characters so that we can care about them when they're all lashed together in the third act of this movie. 
Jaws 2 dating pool. I would watch it. I'm just I, saying. You know, I mean, but that's the thing is that's, you know, it's, it is what we've talked about many times is the difference between a good uh, a good horror movie and a shitty horror movie is the development of the characters. Like, uh, of course, we're going to deal with ludicrous stuff. Of course, it's going to be a murderous shark. Like, who gives a shit as long as we care about the people that they're, you know, the, the, the murderous shark is killing off. See, and I feel like that's what it accomplished for me is I did like to. I mean, there's there's one scene where they rescue Sean from like she's he's kind of off by himself on a little boat and he's just witnessed something really horrible and he's having his own PTSD. Yeah. And one of the guys like goes through this whole it's the, it's the Shelly looking dude. He goes through this whole thing where he's trying to coax him into taking this rope so he can bring him over. And then he get like brings the tough love to kind of snap him out of it. And then as soon as Sean's on the boat with him, he's just like this guy who has been the cut up the whole movie is super nurturing. And it could have just been, you know, Although hashtag that, dad trauma. But I was really like it, it touched me so much. I was that, like, that is awesome. The end of that scene, though, that shot yeah. is a little fucking ooky. It is. He's there's like, one. There's one kiss too many. I will say that there's one. one kiss there's like yeah. three kisses too many. It's, it's one kiss too many. I will. I will it's, throw it's that out. Like Chris Hansen is about to show up and be like, Have a take seat. a seat. Oh, I can't because a shark just fucking ate the seat. The place where the chair was, the shark just fucking <laughs> yeah, ate no, it. That seed's really great. And then it ends on this very weird kind of. This poor editing is what's going it, on. Yes. In no, no. That was it was a, it was a weird performance choice coupled with bad editing. But yeah, it's it. <laughs> that one shot just haunts me. <laughs> It's days later after I watched this, and I'm still kind of like... I am not going to let you set this up as Nambla's favorite slasher movie. <laughs> like, that's not going to happen today. I was not going that direction, I but feel like mention it. I feel, <laughs> feel like the tide was going that way. We were being dragged out to that joke, and I'm desperately trying to swim back. I want to talk about the movies yeah, that Jaws 2 almost was, because there are two movies that Jaws 2 almost was. The original draft of the screenplay... The idea was that Amity, because of the events of the first movie, was a fucking ghost town. Like, all of the shops had been boarded up. It was very kind of uh, just, just haunting the failure of this town. And then you have, you know, another shark attack happening kind of to, uh, amidst that, which is cool in and of itself. And even Sid Scheinberg was like, you know what? I, I kind of like that idea. I think we're going to go in another. It wasn't an outright no. He, he toyed with that idea for a while. But apparently there's also a draft that was going to be the prequel to um, to Quint's story about the USS Indianapolis. Right. And decades later, we got that movie, and it stars Nicolas Cage. I just want to let you know, if you're, if you're sitting there thinking, man, that would be awesome, it exists, it went direct to Netflix, and it stars Nicolas Cage, so... Did, it, did they use Milius's... Anything with Millie? Oh, I doubt or? it. I doubt. But it's about the USS Indianapolis. It's literally. It's actually about the yeah, Indianapolis? It's it's about that story. So it's out there. I haven't watched it because direct to video. eyes. <laughs> like a doll's eyes. Nicholas Cage when he bites you and his eyes just roll up white. I, oh, my God. Now I just want to <laughs> see a movie where Robert Shaw is describing. <laughs> hold Nicolas on. Cage. Hold on. Stop the podcast. <laughs> You're going to pause now. We've just created a billion dollar industry of basically a YouTube channel that's just Robert Shaw as Quint describing Nicolas Cage movies in like John Milius monologues. I would pay all of the money I have or will ever get to watch that. That's all I'm saying. First first of all, we got to resurrect Robert Shaw. I will find a way. Oh, we, we that that's on our to-do list. I'll, I'll become a necromancer. I don't even care. 
and we've got to get him. This to- is the one where he sees a few moments at a time. <laughs> he's always looking forward, so he always knows what's going to happen right before it happens. But it's kind of useless because he couldn't see the end of the movie and how bad it sucked. He come. He's riding a motorcycle and he's back from the dead. But if you look at his career and you look in his eyes. He's still dead. <laughs> like, oh my god! All day long, I would watch that. For this is the one with the bees. They're putting, you know, fuck this. I can't. I can't do this. This is terrible. <laughs> it, this is too much for me. Oh my god, Stargrove. Jaws two. God damn it! So it was, which which should have been the uh, Jaws two. God damn it! That, that Super should, ninjas. Yeah. Why not? Oh uh, yeah, fuck but it. I I do like this movie. I like the way that they set up. All the slasher stuff. They're, they're, the one thing that did bug me and still bugs me about this movie that I actually got some context for in research for this for this episode is that not only is Mayor Memento throwing out the same excuses and refusing to learn a goddamn thing from what happened five years ago, but there are so many scenes where the mayor is having rank pulled on him by a condo developer. Yeah. I'm like... What, is this Austin? Why the fuck does a guy developing condos have more power than the mayor? Because he's bringing in all the money. It's not just condos, but it's hotels. He owns, oh, he yeah, owns the big hotel. The, the big event of the beginning of this movie is they open their first Holiday Inn in Amity Island. Yeah. And there is a fucking soiree. A Janot soiree, uh, to in, be fair. In 1978, opening up a hotel in a small town was a big fucking deal. I love that the high school marching band is playing the song Downtown when Amity Island does not have a downtown. Yeah. That is fucking ironic to me. I don't know if it's intentional, but it's funny. But there is apparently an excised element from the script that was borrowed. Apparently, I, what I didn't know is in Peter Benchley's original novel, Jaws, it's intimated or maybe even delved into that members of the Amity Island town, like the the infrastructure of the town, the power of the town, the mayor and other other city officials are mobbed up. Like, they owe money to the mafia. And that's one of the reasons they refuse to close the beach is because they have to pay these mob guys back. And apparently, specifically, in the, they, they took that element from the novel and put it into one of the early drafts of the script that Len, who's the guy who's the condo developer, is mobbed up. And that's why he's basically pushing so hard and leaning on the townspeople. And I'm like, holy shit. That would have made so much more sense to me as to why the mayor is fucking kowtowing to this asshole businessman and why they're why they're firing uh why they're firing the police chief in what could easily blow back on them in the worst possible way and sure enough you know that that's how this this movie has to really the the post you know they they decide to go ahead and end this movie the exact way the first one ends which is like we're still out in the water and we're going back to shore uh, but you know the real way this this story ends is everybody loses the the mayor loses his job yeah like he ends up a drunk on the skids because you know he fucked up and got people killed not once but twice this movie should have ended like the the first movie should have ended like the fucking godfather with everybody going down everybody that's the the perfection of the first movie is it ends exactly where it needs to be it's just the triumph over over this thing um but this the second time around it's like you're the same mayor right like it's this would have worked if it were a new mayor and different and being, you know, uh, not believing Chief Brody and and being like, you know, not believing the way it went down the last time. And, well, that mayor made a bunch of mistakes and the damage he did is still here. And this town is on its last legs. And 
dear God, um, it needs to make some, you know, we need to make some money. We need tourism. And you keep trying to kill tourism with your fucking obsession with these goddamn sharks. Like it's no. And, and, but that mob, that mob boss idea, um, you know, the mob thing, that's interesting. Yeah. But of course, you know, that's, you know, it got, it got gutted along with a lot of other various versions. John D. Hancock was the name of the guy. He's the guy who did, uh, bang the drum slowly and let's scare Jessica to death. Uh, he's the guy who was originally hired to direct this movie and got fired. And then they brought in uh, Zwark. Uh, by the way, we've mentioned our, our shared affinity for somewhere in time. We talked about it several years ago on a Richard Matheson episode. Because we like that movie, I think we are contractually obligated to at least respect Jaws 2. Because that movie only got made as a favor because of the success of Jaws 2. So... Were it not for Jaws 2, there would be no somewhere in time. So we at least have to give it that much. Yeah, at the at the same time, this movie, like I keep say, using the word lazy, and it's really the only word that applies. There is actually a shot with a boom mic in it in this fucking movie. <laughs> like there is there's the moment where Brody is waking up the next morning after drinking heavily and turns around from coffee and the boom mic is in the shot and they realize it and they yank it out of the shot and they use the shot anyway. Um, May I posit what might have happened there? I'm just gonna just gonna jump in the wayback machine here, and uh, we now go live. Jeroy Scheider already in in progress. What? Do the scene again? Fuck you! Fuck you, Z Rack! <laughs> yeah, fucking darken the shot. I don't care if you saw. I don't it. fucking care. pour me another drink. Go fuck yourself. Wait, wait, why did he all of a sudden be, join the cast of Family Guy? Because like, in the first movie, he's practicing Shatter? his uh, his New England accent about parking the car not too far from the yard. That's why. There's a reason. I've done my research, motherfucker. That, that, that he's on Family Guy? <laughs> that he's on Family Guy. <laughs> Yeah. We, we mentioned that a lot of the best things about the first movie are removed. They're either removed or eaten, uh, sadly. I, I don't really know if there's a way to bring... I mean, so much of Jaws, so much of the, the success and power of Jaws is Robert Shaw. It, more more than the shark, it's Robert Shaw. Yeah. So, And it's the relationship between Hooper and, and uh, um, Brody. Yeah. I mean, that's really... There's so much greatness there. Um, that's what's so great about them laughing and swimming together is they've spent the whole movie kind of at each other's throats and now now they're buddies. They've been through the shit. And and all of the best moments, they're drinking. I'm just going to point that out again. Also true. Uh, but yeah. My so- favorite being uh, he brings him the bottle of wine. He just starts pouring it into the glass and Dreyfus is like, oh, you want to let that breathe a little? Okay, never mind. And he's just pouring the whole... He yeah. pours basically the whole bottle into one glass and then looks over at his wife and pours like a tiny amount of what's left into her glass. So good. And there's character moments like that or callbacks to that. There's one moment after Brody goes nuts and starts shooting at a school of bluefish because, you know, one good guy with a gun is really what we need against sharks with guns. Coming this fall from from Sci-Fi Channel, Gun Shark. Uh, by the way, we're doing this in... I, I didn't even think about this, but we're about to see the release of The Meg. The terror continues. So it's kind of fitting <laughs> that we're talking about, about Jaws 2. Uh, speaking of greatest poster taglines of all time. What's, what's the poster tagline for The Meg? I haven't even seen it. I've seen the trailers for The Meg. I haven't... This summer... He's pleased to eat you. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. That sounds like the tagline. You know what? That sounds like the tagline if they made a movie out of that SNL sketch where there's a candy gram shark. Do you remember that, like, really old sketch where, like, 
Well, yeah, Landshark. Gilda Rad. Yeah, Gilda yeah. it, it was one of the original sketches. Landshark. What? Pleased to eat Landshark. you would be a great tagline for that movie. Landshark, aren't you? Uh, no, I'm actually just dolphin, ma'am. Like Landshark was a joke about what we were just talking about. How people were afraid of sharks even when they were on fucking land. Like that was that whole joke stemmed from them <laughs> doing fucking coke in the '70s and going. <laughs> You know what really freaks me out and having a conversation like we just had and they made an entire famous SNL skit out of it. I'm sorry. Uh, Bumblebees, uh, Samurai Deli, Landshark. You cannot convince me that cocaine was involved in SNL in the 70s. No, no, it definitely didn't kill at least one of them. The deuce you say. It's okay. Play this game. No one wins. Uh, The taunting of like early 80s late 70s comedians versus wrestlers like which which pool has lost the most people wrestlers because they mixed it with they they made the mistake of mixing it with their steroids oh yeah no it's but steroids plus coke gives you heart attacks i just want to point out once again no one wins in this game but it is interesting to try and figure out which of those pools has lost more people what are we talking about jaws 2 speaking of pools and losing people jaws 2 god damn it one, I found this really funny. So there's this whole thing about they're adrift. They're they're being attacked by the shark over and over again. They're trying to get to this island that's like a, an electrical station that was a completely like fabricated set that evidently during filming kept coming untethered and floating away. So at one point, Zwart got a call that his, uh, I think they call it like Circuit Island or something, is uh, on its way to Cuba. Like you might want to go pick it up because your set is on its way to Cuba. So there were problems There's, on this set, much there as there were in the first one. Lots of problems. Like that's one of the weird things is most of these sets for this movie are entirely constructed, which is why this movie feels so artificial. Well, and that might be because the the residents of Martha's Vineyard, by the time Jaws two gets rolling, were so fucking sick of all this shit that they started wearing T-shirts that said Universal Go Home. And, like, a lot of them refused to participate, and so Zwark had to do a lot of work with extras, and then Roy Scheider got pissed off that he was working more with extras than with the actors, and it just kind of, like, again, like, the Jaws movies, especially the first two, are both very laden with production issues, to be sure, but where one of them comes out, you know, a masterpiece, the other one comes out Jaws 2, and I fucking love it, and I will, I will defend it all day, because it's... Nothing you're saying is wrong, but again, the counterpoint of I will will go with you on the fact that it is the second best Jaws film. (laughs) (laughs) I think we can all agree that Jaws 2 is the second best Jaws film. I half expected you to argue that the three seconds of Jaws 16 in Back to the Future 2 is better than Jaws 2. Uh, No. (laughs) Shark still looks fake. Yes. Shark, look, <laughs> Shark has a rubber face is what he could yeah, have said. Yeah, it's, it's 3D and it's terrible 3D. Um, no, but uh, uh, yeah, no. Dude, Jaws 3D and Jaws the Revenge are both uh, abortions on levels that can barely be described. And we're saying that in the full knowledge that Orca, which is a, a movie starring Richard Harris that rips off Jaws, has a whale abortion scene in it. Very odd movie. Like, you'd think There's, it's just going to be year, one thing. What year was Orca? I want to say 79, yeah, maybe I 78. That, I, I, I was curious as to whether the the shark killing the killer whale scene in this movie was a middle finger to Orca or not. It was weird that there was a sign around that whale that said, fuck you, Richard Harris. Like, I, I think that was a little bit of a... 
of a giveaway, if nothing orca, else. Uh, although, uh, which one's better, Orca or uh, or Jaws 2? I will say Jaws 2, only because, again, so much of Orca is not Orca. Like, is is not actually about the killer, killer whale. It's it's just about a lot you, of... You, you realize that killer whale is kind of a misnomer, right? Oh, no, 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 no we're going to make a whole movie about oh, it. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's true. But it says killer, right? Th- it's 77, by the way. Uh, it's right there in the title, Killer Whale. And it's like, yeah, but... Uh, yeah, I thought it was 77 because I wanted to say that we had considered it for our summer We did. We did, actually. It is a fucking bug nuts. And it's... what the It's thing, a little nutty. The thing that's interesting about it, but that makes it, I think, worse than Jaws 2, is that it's part of that wave of Jaws ripoffs that were also very much influenced by the conservation movement. So there's a lot of eco-friendly messaging in that movie that, while important... Very distracting and really takes away from the tension. So, but where that works, John Frankenheimer's prophecy, <laughs> because that movie finds the perfect tightrope to walk, just teetering over environmentalism and bug nuts jaws ripoff. We're gonna have to cover prophecy at some point. Like, I don't think we do. I feel like we're gonna have to, like, if, I, dude. If we're gonna cover the movie, the trailer for which you just showed me tonight, I feel like we would be doing ourselves a disservice by not covering Prophecy. Prophecy is a special movie. (laughs) It's a very special movie. It's a very special movie. It is. See, I'm going to file that one under A for awful. So I I have a very full filing cabinet of of puns. Of A's, apparently. Of A's. It's just A. All the other letters can fuck off. So Uh, that's Jaws 2. The terror continues. Uh, And that brings... Well, let's... We have not really... I mean... Let's let's actually get into. We need to talk about. <laughs> We're an hour into this episode. Let's talk about the movie. <laughs> let's talk about the movie. Um, let's talk about how they killed Jaws in this movie. Holy shit! Yeah. Because what was we, I thinking? Like, we can't end the we, show. We can't end the show without talking about probably one of the craziest killing the villain sequences ever. Like, because that's the thing: is the shark here as a villain really is a slasher killer, and you really get that sense in the final scene where he is inexplicably just trying to kill everybody. Yeah. And he comes up, and you see that rubbery burnt shark <laughs> side of the face. Almost like, shit, we burnt the shark. What are we going to... We, Dude, we you're going to make him mad. We, We're we going to get several build, angry tweets from that shark. We need to build another shark. No, we can't. Well, what? He's just going to swim around all burnt up? Well, why not? He got burnt up in the boat. <laughs> It's like, it feels like that's how this happened. And so he's scarred and burnt and coming after everybody. And so we, Roy Scheider bangs on this electrical cord. So this now, first of all, Chekhov's, uh, Chekhov's sound wave shark. They talk about the not quite uh, Hooper. Oh, they set it up. The not quite Hooper that they bring in does mention that one of the, because Brody's like, oh, you know, I know a thing or two about sharks. I mean, they're attracted to blood and they're attracted to, uh, you know, a lot of movement. And she's like, and also sound, which I'm sitting there going, I don't know if that's true, but I also don't know enough to know if I know if that's true. Oh, they, they also, uh, they, they also set it up in that while dragging the bottom of the, the ocean for a body, they end up hoisting up the cable. So yes. we see the cable early so, and we're told it's sound and it's like, huh? So yeah, check off setting up our ending. Check off sound wave shark and check off's uh, underwater electricity cable. So that's, that's incredible. So then the shark ends up getting electrocuted to the point that it bursts into flames. So if you, 
if you thought an exploding shark was was great, wait until you see flaming shark. <laughs> no, nope, no, nope, no, nope, not touching that. Not touching that joke. Too obvious. I, I will say that much in the same way, I feel it had to be cathartic for Spielberg to blow up Bruce after all of the fucking problems that they had had with it. It must have been pretty cathartic for this production to nuke this fucking shark because they nuke this goddamn shark. Yeah, it is microwaved by the end of this. By the end of this segment, if you thought it looked cheesy and rubbery before. Wait till you see it on fire. I'm, I'm telling you, he's got a Twitter account. We're gonna get some responses to what you're saying, or at least I feel like the shark from Jaws should have its own Twitter account. But I. But then again, I guess all it would tweet would just be done. Uh, Done. And then just retweet itself over and over again. Done, 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 done. No, don't have it. You know what? Take the take the Twitter accounts away from sharks. Guys, we got to get rid of the shark bots on Twitter. That's what this entire episode has really been about. That's Jaws 2. And now we're going to talk about the junk food pairing, which I'm half tempted to make it. That that knockoff Hungarian <laughs> liqueur imitation zwack imitation zwack because there's just something funny about about that. One of you assholes out there are gonna find imitation zwack and taste it, and I am not responsible for this shit. This is <laughs> I am I am chugging this up with like the time I I mentioned uh, 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 an Alabama hot pocket, and you motherfuckers Googled it after I, I, I did to. not. Um, I have learned do not from my drink friendship with the you. imitations whack. That is, look, just <laughs> don't do it. So whack is whack, not even once. But what is the junk food parrot? I actually, the only thing I can think of is there is a moment in this film where um, Brody's been fired and he comes home and his deputy, who's now been elevated to sheriff, is drinking with Mrs. Brody. And he says, oh, we're drinking the good stuff. And it's Jack Daniels, which to me has always been like mid shelf. Like forty years later, yes, this is the fortieth anniversary of Jaws too. That's what I wanted to ask though: is was there a time maybe when Jack Daniels was harder to get, or was the competition wasn't well, as in, robust, or yeah, what, what's yeah. going on here? I mean, keep keep in mind that um, you know prohibition ended in the thirties. You know, oh, you're going back 30s. that far. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, because what was, what happened thereafter was uh, all of these companies had to start from scratch again. And you saw the evolution of alcohol here in, in the States. Now, beer was something that could happen almost overnight. Um, uh, whereas good whiskey takes years of, of, uh, sitting around, uh, uh, you know, just waiting, you know, great whiskey, like, you know, the whiskeys that I often talk about, you know, the, a lot of the scotches that I li- like to drink sit around in barrels for 18 years, you know? So when you're talking about good stuff for an industry here in the States that, you know, the local stuff is, you know, only at this point, maybe 40 years into the thing, it had not quite developed yet. So yes, you grew up with Jack Daniels being a staple and then becoming it. Jack Daniels used to be one of the well, one of your calls uh, and not the wells. And now Jack Daniels is considered, uh, you know, kind of the McDonald's of whiskeys in terms of when, when you're fine, you know, uh, drinking fine whiskey. I know I have this reaction every time I end up at a bar that doesn't have 
any any good scotches and I end up having to get Jack Daniels, I'm reminded of what a fucking snob I am that I drink Jack Daniels and go, this is perfectly fine whiskey. Why did I, why would I, I acting like this is a chore? Fuck you. This is good. Fuck you. Jack Daniels is perfectly fine stuff, Cargill. Jesus Christ. Get That's what yourself. the world looks like outside of my ass. That's that crazy. Is, yeah, it's, wow. It's nuts. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it tastes fine. But yeah, so it's, uh, but yeah, there in the seventies and eighties, Jack Daniels was the good stuff. And then it became so normal and there is better stuff out there. There's, you know, but it, but it's more expensive. So yeah, yeah it's, we've seen an evolution in alcohol since in, in the last 80 years. And this was halfway there. So just keep that in mind that as you go back further and further, you get closer to an era where, um, you know, people like people that age, especially older people, like the old woman drinking, you know, she went through a period of time where you weren't allowed to drink. Yeah. So, you know, there were people who grew up, you know, not knowing what alcohol was supposed to taste like until they finally got to have some, you know, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it, 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 it's an oddity, but yeah, it was, it was Jack Daniels was the good stuff for a while and, and isn't bad. Well, I think it works in a couple of ways. One being that whenever I think of Jaws, I think of my my granddad who uh, we were my dad and my granddad and I were uh, at his house. And that's the first time I saw Jaws. And I saw it from the banister because I was too scared to actually watch it. But I would like come and like kind of peek and see what was going on. And it's a very nice banister. It's a great banister. There's Don't a very nice in joke that nobody yeah. else listening. Gets. Inside baseball is just a mess of strings. Um, but he all oh, he loved Jack Daniels. That's like his his thing. Uh, he's 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 a very big fan of Jack Daniels. So the Jaws and Jack Daniels already have an association in my head. And then the more we've talked about how much Roy Scheider hated being on this set, the fact that he pours himself what I can only describe as a quintuple Jack Daniels in that glass, probably also not scripted. Probably on the day, just ad libbed by a very frustrated so quadruple boiler maker. <laughs> <laughs> Callbacks. That's what we do. I have, you know, I have a really interesting choice for this month's uh, go for, for this week's uh, junk food pairing. Um, I'm going to go local. Uh, here in Austin, we have this amazing chain called Torchies. And Torchies is an amazing taco restaurant. We've and, talked about it on the show a few times. Actually. And this month, they're because one of the things they do is they have a new taco of the month every yeah. month. And sometimes those tacos, if they're made out of stuff that they keep around, go onto the secret menu, which is the most public secret menu of all time. If you say, hey, can I see the secret menu? They give you a laminated menu. So it's just, can I see the other menu? Um, but this month's taco is a lobster taco. Uh, for, you know, July 4th, summer, like very much Amity kind of inspired, clearly. Um, and it's a damn fine taco. I did not ever imagine that, like, I've had fish tacos before, but I never had a lobster taco. And dear God, is a lobster taco delicious. So I would say that, you know, Jaws 2, Jaws 2 is the junky Jaws. This is not the Jack Daniels of Jaws movies, this is the off-brand of Jaws movies. This is the taco, but this is a lobster taco. Well, it's not a taco. It was a talk lobster. Boon, 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 boon. Filing me. it under a... But which one? You don't know? 
It's filing under A for asshole. <laughs> God damn it. God damn it. You made you made a yes. random aside sound like a setup for one of your fucking jokes. I God know. Damn it, this Brian. is what I do. Like your, it your is hatred what you do. fuels me. Like bring it on. As as everyone who has hated my puns, it only makes me stronger. Your hatred only makes me stronger. Oh wait, hold on. Let me get this boom out of the way. <laughs> Sorry about that. Hit the hit the microphone with the boom mic. Guys, thank you so much for joining us on this, the first episode of Summer of 78, Jaws 2, one that I don't think divided us as much as I was anticipating, because uh, there was a lot to talk about with oh, no, this there's, movie. There's a lot that, I mean, I do not hate this movie. I just don't think it's great. And I think it's got some boring patches where I'm just kind of waiting for stuff to happen. But there is... I laugh out loud every time I see the shark. The ending is so bug nuts. There are some nice character moments. There is people tried with this movie, um, but the execution is just a lot lazier than I think it has that than a, a movie of this size with that budget should have been. I think this is a movie that epitomizes what's kind of become the slogan of our show, which is it's not a good movie, but it's a great movie. <laughs> I can't go that far. With I, this that, that's where I'm at with this. I, yeah. I definitely and I, think. And, I, and I get it because you're not alone. Like, uh, like uh, I've had that conversation now three times with Joe Hill, who swears up and down the exact same stuff you do. That's he crazy. Loves everything that you love about it, and and this is a this is a New England horror writer, uh, if ever there was one. Um, begat of the new england horror writer and um and he loves the shit out of this movie and and so next time we talk he's gonna bring that up and we're like joe you know let's let's talk about the boom mic um, <laughs> yeah i'm sure you'll really change his opinion based yeah, on one you know boom what mic. although i like that this there's something simpatico about our, our junk food pairings because there's a moment in this where you realize that after they're done boating, they're going to go have a bonfire that they specifically call out is going to have seafood and liquor. So we, yeah. we came with seafood and liquor because we were ready for that bonfire. Yeah. Awesome. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if you want to hear more of us doing this, including... And why would you? Be, why would you? Why would you? If, if you are one of the Jouark family and you have angry things to say, you can find us on Twitter at Junk Food Cinema. If you're the shark, if you're uh, the rubber face shark and you have angry things to say. Zwack, not Zwark. Zwack. See, now I can't. I feel like I'm having a stroke. <laughs> Knock off Zwack, Jeanette Zwark. Yes, I get it now. You can go to Facebook.com slash Junk Food Cinema. Our entire back catalog is on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. And if you really like the show. I mean, you really like the show. If you like the show as much as Roy Scheider hated being in Jaws 2, you can always go to Patreon.com slash Junk Food Cinema for as little as a dollar an episode. You can financially support the show. and We would greatly appreciate that. Cargill, where can people find you on the interwebs? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Massaworm, M-A-S-S-A-W-Y-R-M. Awesome. You can find me on Twitter at Salisbury, And of course, like I said, at Junk Food Cinema. I, I did a, a random tweet along of uh, Avenging Force last night that was a lot of fun. So follow us on Twitter for things like that. Uh, and you know, we'd like to stay in chat longer, but we gotta, we gotta go check out this 908, which according to Chief Brody just means get me out of here.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.